the goal of the relationship with God is to know and love God. God wants us to become the kind of people that can get our way. Right now, most of us, if we got our way, it wouldn't necessarily be good. Even the godliest among us, I think, would say, I want my heart to continue to be changed, to be more like God's, so that he can say, your will be done, and it actually look like him. Like even the most godly among us, I think, would say, my wanter needs some upgrades. But God wants us to grow so close to him, so aligned with him, so filled with him, that when we pray, we can actually pray for what we want, and God can say, yes. The goal is not the doing of duties. The goal is not uh, giving God a few things he said in his book. The goal is to be so filled with God. And I think some of us have got the idea that faith in God is related to life after we die. Or faith in God is related to big issues of morality. And I think some of us have grown up in church cultures where our job is to give God a little of our money, vote a certain way, do a couple of things right in some big areas, and then eventually go to heaven. And and in the meantime, tell people that if they agree with us about these things and pray a prayer, they too can get in on heaven later. And a big push in a lot of our churches is that our main job is to be telling others about Jesus so they can avoid hell. That's our main job in some churches. And we feel a lot of guilt that we haven't told more people recently. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if you relate to that. I don't know if you've ever been in a church where you felt like your primary job, the only reason that there hasn't been a rapture yet is because we're to get the message out. That if we would just get the message out, then Jesus could come back and we could get over with all this crap. And, and actually, that's not the gospel, and that's not even what Jesus talks about. Jesus' whole fundamental message is, I came so that you could come into the, the meaning of your life. That we don't get our meaning from life starting in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, we fell, so to say, why do we call it the fall? It's not a fall. It's a dive. We dove off a cliff. We didn't fall. We didn't trip. We weren't tripped up. It wasn't an accident. We chose. But we, a lot of us frame our, our vision of life and God as God is related to the sin issue. Jesus is about the sin issue. We're sinners. We need a Savior. No, that's wrong. That's not, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. We should start our theology in Genesis 1 and 2. What are we created for? What is life for? What, is, what are we redeemed back to? All right, let's start there, not with sin. Yes, Jesus dealt with sin, but not, not that's not the point. The point of dealing with sin is to get us back into living. And the point of living in the faith is not just to tell others so they can avoid hell. The point of living in the faith is to really live. 
that actually there's this thing called life and it's found in Jesus and that when we experience him, we come alive and we come into the reason we were born in the first place. And so the whole point of prayer is not get things done. I'm a, the world's broken and messed up and, and people have sinned, so we're going go to gonna pray then. Does it, am I making any sense? No, no, no. I pray because my soul is hungry and thirsty. I don't pray because somebody had a stroke. And we're praying for her, by the way. I don't pray because somebody's eyes don't work right. And we're praying for you, Stan. I don't pray because the kids need prayer. We're praying for you guys. You guys have challenges. It's a different world than I grew up in. But that's not why we pray. And we don't pray, oh, my word, if he could just get his eyes back. Oh, my word, if she could just get her speech back. No, no, no. Our prayer, yeah, we pray for those things. But our prayer is, God, let him know you. Let Stan know you in such a way that if he never gets his eyes back, it doesn't matter. Jesus said some strange things, and either he's crazy or he's right. One of the things he said is, whoever believes in me, even if he dies, he won't die. If you have God as your father, says Jesus, every one of your needs is going to be taken care of. So why do you worry about your life, what you eat, drink, what you wear? Why do you worry about tomorrow? Why do you worry about the future? Why, in other words, why are you consumed with anxieties? If you're God's kid, you don't need to. Because you have a heavenly father who's actively working on your behalf. He says, if you're in God's family, then you're in God's world. And your world is saturated with God in such a way that the God who cares for the sparrows cares for you. So you don't have to worry. Notice he's not telling you a rule. Don't you dare worry. He's saying, if you worry, it shows you don't see what I see. Remember the story where Jesus is in the boat and he's sleeping? He says, let us cross to the other side. You remember that? And then, because he said, let us cross to the other side, the disciples are in a boat in a lake in the middle of a storm. I don't like being in the water in a storm. I specifically wouldn't like to be in the water in a storm in a small boat. A small boat... In a big storm with scary waves, wind, waves are crashing over the side of the boat. It's a small boat. Do you think Jesus was getting wet? It says he was asleep. And they wake, they wake Jesus up. Y'all know the story, right? Show of hands, I know this story. Okay, yeah. And they wake him up, and they don't wake him up and say, Help. They say, Don't you care? Like, you're going to die. How come you don't care about you dying, Jesus? We, including you, Jesus, we're going to die. Don't you care? And what's fascinating about that is they actually do have faith that Jesus can calm that storm. And then he rebukes them. And you go, what in the world is he doing rebuking them when they have that faith in him? Have you ever wondered that? They have total faith that Jesus, if he wants, can calm that storm, and he's still rebuking them. What's wrong with you guys? What is your problem? Why are you freaking out? He says, 
You little faiths. In the Greek, it's literally that would be what the word is. You little faiths. Maybe we would translate it morons. Oh, we wouldn't do that? Oh, that wouldn't be kind. Okay. You've been with me this long. He said, like, check it out. Check it out, guys. See if I'm wrong. They have faith in Jesus, but they don't have Jesus' faith. And that's what he's saying is the problem. He came so that we could not just get forgiven and go to... He came that we could actually become who we were created to become so that we could live a fullness of life. He says some strange things. No harm will will come to you. He says they might cut your head off, but not a hair of your head will be harmed. Now, that's always a, I've always thought that was a strange image. Head rolling down the road, hair looking fantastic. But notice what he says. If you have God as your father and you live in this world, this world becomes a safe place for you to relax. Because if you die, you don't, you don't die. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus broke the power of death and stripped away the devil's main enemy that by which he holds all of us in slavery to fear all our lives. Most of us, most of us, we we, we were real young when we realized, oh my word, I'm going to die. And then we realize, oh my word, my pets are going to die. My siblings are going to die. My parents are going to die. Everybody's going to die. I'm in for incredible loss. I'm in for incredible grief. Who, where was the sign-up sheet for existence? I don't remember volunteering for this nonsense. I'm five. I, I should just get a juice box and a cheese stick. This is way beyond my pay grade. And yet there you are little man, struggling with the thing all humans have been struggling with for thousands of years, to be made for more, but to be born into a world where mortality dooms everything to futility and loss. And Hebrews says, Jesus changed that. He says, if you believe in me, even though you die, you live. You don't die. Whatever you're afraid of experiencing in death, I don't know, nothingness, maybe hell. I don't know what you're afraid of in in death. But Jesus says, whatever you're afraid of in death, it's never going to happen to you. You won't die, friend. You're an eternal being with a destiny in God's great kingdom. And this universe is so saturated with your Father's presence that you'll never be without Him. And He's so sovereignly, protectively working on your behalf that no harm shall befall you. No harm shall befall you. That's Psalm 91. No harm shall befall you. Though a thousand fall at your right hand, it will not come near your tent. And you go, whoa, whoa, but you just said they're going to cut my head off if I tell them what you told me to tell them. How can you say no harm will befall me in a world where I'm still grieving Uncle Al just getting smeared on the road on his motorcycle? How can you say no harm will befall me when we're, I'm still all these years later grieving baby Olive living five months and then 
How can you say no harm will befall me when my friends are going through complete disaster in their marriage? How can you say no harm will befall me when I see... You could, go on, you could fill that list, right? How can you say no harm will befall me? And maybe, this is a speculation on my part, but maybe he would say, Tim, there's a difference between hurt and harm. I said it won't, I didn't say it won't hurt. I said no harm will befall you. I, I get upset when I read about martyrdoms. I get upset. I don't, I don't want to read about some saint getting just shot because he loves Jesus in his 20s. I don't want to read about that. Even though the saint prays for the guys that are about to kiss us, the story I heard last night it drove me crazy. Sat on my floor crying. Can I pray for you? before they shoot him. Can I pray for you? And he prays for them that God, would, that God would release them from what they're about to do to him because he knows what they're about to do to him is going to haunt them for the rest of their life unless there's some kind of repentance that they can get released. Can, we, can I sing a song? And he sings and he worships and he's fearless. And they gun him down and all 10 of his other teachers in his Christian school. And then the soldiers go get drunk at the bar to try to forget, except for the lieutenant, because they took a powwow, they took a break. I told some of the guys this story before service. The soldiers are so stressed out when they hear this man pray for them. They're like, do we have to go through with this? And the lieutenant says, guys, we've got our orders. If we don't kill them, they're on the list. We'll go back and our commanding officers are going to kill us. We've got to go through with this. So the lieutenant is the only one not at the bar that night. He goes back and he finds the missionaries and he says, I got to know this God that this man has. I don't understand. I've killed a lot of people. I've seen a lot of death. I've seen a lot of begging and fear and craziness and people respond how they're supposed to respond. But he didn't. This is real. He was fearless in the face of death. That makes me upset. I'm not there, you guys. That story makes me mad. I don't know if it makes me mad at God or the dudes who did the killing or the missionary for being so glorious. But that all makes perfect sense to Jesus. That's, that's well within his world. He's like, Tim, that's what I'm talking about. That if you have my God as your, your God, if you have my Father as your Father, you can relax. This world becomes a safe place for you to be. Because it's saturated and filled with your Father and He knows all things. That prayer that Doug prayed before I got up here was awesome. And so on point. He wants to... To, to have us be so shaped and formed through our union with him that he can honor our prayers that come out of our deep desires because our deep desires have been transformed by walking with him. My intention today was to try to preach again from Ephesians chapter 3, so I will read it to you, but I want to zero in on just one small verse and you'll see that I basically preached the sermon already. Ephesians 3, 
14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's as we trust in Jesus that we progressively become his home. That's a process word. That Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith is another translation, but this one's better because it makes it clear. Oh, Christ dwell in my hearts through faith. Oh, sounds like gobbledygook. But Jesus make his home in me as I trust him. That, that, okay, that helps to unpack it a little bit. Every one of us Every one of us has authority over ourselves. I, I, can, I can try to force my way into your life. I can force my way into your home. I can force my way into your physical space. But I cannot force you to let me see the real you. No amount of power on my part can force the door of your heart open. God has given you authority. God has given you authority. He's given each of us a little kingdom. And the first thing we're responsible for is unbreakable. No demon can even get in without our permission. I've read stories of non-Christians casting demons out of themselves without the power of Jesus' name because of the power of Jesus' image in granting them authority over their temple. How do you like them apples? The image of God in you is so powerful. So you have a key. Every one of us has a key to our heart. And God in his sovereignty, in his power, he has to pull back. He wants to be known. He wants to be loved. I said, I think we all know, don't we, that the goal of faith is to know and love God. He wants to be known. He wants to be loved. But like the sun is like 90 million miles away from us. It has to be far away from us because it's so powerful that if we get close to it and we don't have the right preparations, we're dead. God wants to be known, but unless something in us is prepared and transformed and changed to be the kind of person that can receive who he really is, it won't work. And so God wants to be known, but seems like he's hiding. 
Wouldn't you say that? And wouldn't the opponents of the faith, the, the doubters, the people who say, I think Christianity, I think theism is just stupid, God has apparently not, not decided to make himself known. He's invisible. If he would just show up, I'd believe in him. Actually, he's very willing to reveal himself to people who are capable of handling it. The way in which he hides is loving, and the way in which he reveals is loving. Jeremiah 29, 13, I believe it's the youth group's verse. You will search for me and you will find me. When? When you search for me with all your heart. I have seen a lot of people have start in a powerful faith and then walk away from the faith, and I go, okay, all right. And then, and then, then it's like, oh, God, God, I, you know, God wasn't good. That's, that's their new song and dance. God isn't good. God isn't real. I've, I've been rethinking. I've been rethinking the faith. As though they're enlightened now. As though they have more light now. As though they have more understanding now. And usually what's happened is they've lost understanding. They've lost light. Every single person has a key. The key to your heart. No one can take it by force. The people who get in are the people you let in. And the people you let in are usually the people you trust. God won't force his way in, and no one in your life should be allowed to force their way in, and they can't. They can't really. So this, this crazy prayer of Paul, he says... His prayer is for the power of the Holy Spirit to saturate the eyes of our hearts so that the lights come on so that we see God as he really is because because Jesus knows. If you see what I see, you'll end up looking like I look. That the Christian life, again, is not just having faith in Jesus. It's becoming, it's having faith in Jesus that leads you to walk with Jesus. And then through walking with Jesus, you begin to have the faith of Jesus. And then you begin to walk like Jesus because you've walked with Jesus. So we, we're weird, don't we? Like the way we try to do Christianity is so weird. We're focused on avoiding hell, praying a prayer in a moment, and then they choose to trust. Bro, you can't choose to trust something you have no knowledge of. If you, if, you, if, you under, if you walk across a bridge enough times, you'll trust it. Like people talk about taking a leap of faith. You just need to take the leap of faith, brother. No, faith takes the leap. But you have to have faith in order to make a leap of faith. You don't leap to faith. You leap because of faith. It's, it's the person who comes and knows Jesus in experience that grows in faith over time by proving that God is who Jesus said in their life. I'm going to say that again because I feel like it didn't quite land. We're not asking people with no evidence and no experience to make a decision to walk by faith based on a theory. We're asking people to walk with Jesus so that he can show himself to them in real life as real. We actually believe God's real. We actually believe God makes himself known. We actually believe he understands what life's for and how life works best. We actually think this is true. And in our day and age, we've, we've learned that beliefs don't have to have to do with reality. That if you have reality, then you're in psychology or you're in science. 
something like that. That's real. That's real. But this is the realm. Faith is, we, this is how modern people think. Faith is the realm of belief. You can't prove it. You can't disprove it. You'll, you know, it's just what the people choose to believe. And you just got to respect whatever people choose to believe. Whatever people choose to believe, you just got to respect. And I, I mean, I'm, that's difficult to deal with, isn't it? Because what we're saying is Christians don't have truth. Nobody who's religious has, has any, any right to say this is actually real. Real is the realm of science. Faith is the realm of, oh, isn't that nice? It's poetry that you say over the graves to make people feel better. But we all know that they're just dead. They're just dead. We're just playing games. It's just Santa Claus, but with adults. And Jesus comes in here and he says, okay, God's real. If you walk with me, you'll know it's a fact and you can base your whole life on what you learn through the scientific experiment of experiencing God consistently over time. I wonder if God would use those, if Jesus would use those kinds of terms today. Hey, let's run some scientific experiments so that the Father can prove himself to you because as you trust him through experiencing him as real, your heart will freely open to him and Christ will dwell with you in such a way that you glow. And then no one will have, you will not have to tell anyone around you, hey, here's the proof that Jesus is God and now you've got to pray this prayer and get saved. They will ask you, tell me, teach me how to live like you. Like no one has to announce to the world, I'm about to turn on a light. Click. There, now you can't see it, but there's a light on. And the reason I know there's a light on is because I've turned the switch on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Arguments for Jesus are unhelpful. But a life that glows. Did you know when Moses came down from the mountain, it says that he was glowing. So when they put the veil over his face, that was like putting a lampshade on a very, very bright bulb. It was still bright. But it was so bright without the lampshade that they couldn't bear to look at him. Imagine having a conversation with somebody who, when you try to look at them, they're too bright, it hurts your eyes, and you just have to beg them to please cover themselves. The word glory, the first three letters are glow. That's on purpose. And Jesus would have us glow through experiencing the reality of the Father as real and true. Not as invisible in theory, not I'm going to convince myself through religious calisthenics and put on the right music and say the right prayers and go to the right services and get the right hands laid on me. And then I'm going to get myself fully convinced and spooled up that this invisible thing is really real. But I got to keep going and doing the stuff because if I don't keep putting enough gas in that tank and keep the RPM spinning at fast enough rates, then I notice that I kind of run out of steam because real life is over here and real life is pretty unspiritual and flat. Stuff, bills, problems, But over here in the spiritual land, you've got to keep putting inputs and inputs and inputs into it or you're just going to run out of gas. And Jesus says, whoa, opposite. That's the opposite of the reality. All this effort and energy going into keeping this thing going, the thing that you're trying to keep going is fake. Give up on that and just rest and relax into the reality of God who's doing everything for you. 
Because this world's a safe place to be his child and he fills everything and you can't lose him. You didn't invent him and you don't make faith happen. You don't make a leap toward faith. You relax. And the faith that you experience will grow. And as you trust him, he'll take more ground in your heart the longer you walk with him. Did this make sense? Is it quite hot in here? Are you very tired? I'm extremely hot and I'm wearing Israel's oversized t-shirt, which I thought was mine. And all my socks were stolen by my boys. And Gabe knows it's true. I want to just say, guys, this faith that I see in Jesus is very different from the faith that I often try to work on as I'm trying to follow Jesus. The description I gave of got to keep pouring gas in the tank and get the RPMs high enough, that's been me. Tight-jawed, tight-shouldered, have to take a deep breath because of the pressure I put on myself to try to be Come godly today. And I look over at Jesus and he's relaxed and happy and nice to people. Nice to people. Because he's not saddled with all these fears. It's hard to be nice to people when you're anxious. When we trust in God, it closes the door to these little practical anxieties and practical anxieties over small things are just as much stealers of joy as big fears over big things. I lost my cell phone to my own stupidity. I got a brand new, well for me, refurbished phone. The first thing I did was break it. Classic. Remember how I told you last week, first thing you should do whenever you get something, maybe it wasn't last week, First thing you do when you get something is void the warranty by customizing it and making it the way you want it. Well, I customized my phone by pouring liquid inside of it so that it would die. So that's 300 bucks down the drain. My fault, not covered by insurance because it was a refurbished phone. And I've, I've been experiencing this last several days as an interesting experiment. I have definitely become dependent on my umbilical connection to the digital realm. You know, an umbil- like an umbilical cord back to mommy. As though the internet and... Con- as though that's mommy. And so it's been a fun kind of experiment to just see, okay, my phone, my new phone, new used phone, doesn't come till Thursday. This shouldn't be so hard. And that's a li- such a tiny little thing. Imagine something big. Imagine waiting 20 years for your wayward child to come home to Jesus. That's bigger, right? But I'm pretty sure that Jesus said, if you're faithful in a few things, because trusting God is not about the size of the rock that seems to be blocking our path. So this whole life that we're called to in Jesus, 
this whole, the whole life we're called to in Jesus is about learning in the little things how to trust the Father the way Jesus trusts the Father. Because we know that if Jesus isn't crazy or wrong, if he's actually very, very sane and right, then we won't die. And like I asked the question the other week, we need to be thinking, we need to be thinking, what will I be doing for 500 years from now? In Revelation 5.10, I've made them a kingdom of priests and they will reign with me on the earth. The Genesis 1 and 2 Dominion, made in my image, live with me, represent me, walk with me, and be in charge of stuff. Not fat, naked baby angels on clouds. I don't know who thinks that's a good idea. Who, who painted that? And then who normalized that? We just read the story of the creatures with wings and eyeballs every which way. That's quite a bit cooler to me than fat, naked baby angels with harps. But what am I going to be doing 500 years from now? I'm going to be reigning with Jesus. I'm going to be responsible with Jesus. There's things that I was faithful, with, faithful over in this life that qualify me to become the kind of person that can approach the glory and can live well and be entrusted with more because I have work to do. I was put here to make earth look like heaven. And that's what we're redeemed back into. And that's what we're going to be doing forever. Forever we will be going, I don't know, to new places, expressing and extending the glory of God. I said endless discovery is what my vision of heaven is. And I wish I had a thousand lives so I could do a thousand careers. I am fascinated, completely fascinated. But we don't have time. We just run out of time. And Jesus again says, Tim, no, you don't. You have all the time in the world because your mind, the one thing that isn't limited, well, not the one, because your mind, time isn't limited. So what we're doing here in this life is we're, we're being shaped, we're being formed, we're being prepared. Lots of people say, I don't want to go to hell, but what about, do you want to go to heaven? And they, realistically, they go, well, it doesn't suck, right? Like, I'm going to be straight up with you guys. If you take the people in hell and you put them in heaven, it's worse than hell to them. If you take us right now and you drop us on the sun, it's, it's not fun. God is so powerful, so glorious, and so holy that to, to be in his immediate presence is not some small deal. It's not, oh, you prayed the right prayer, stamp on the head, there it is, now you're ready. What we're doing here. In this life, through the sufferings, through the pain, through the troubles, through the trials, through the tests, through the difficulties, is we're being trained for the next life. I, I said a lot of theology. I'm going to try, to try to squeeze it down. The goal of this thing is, is, is living, is really deeply living, really deeply living. Did it just get four degrees hotter? 
Did I move around and make myself sweat too much? I literally want to take my shirt off right now. That's how hot I am. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it till you've got a tan and been to the gym a lot. Don't do it to people. That'd be a bad day at church. I went to church and the preacher took his shirt off. They would. Unless we were at the beach. Unless we were at the beach. And then, which by the way, can we do that one day? Have church at the beach? Just saying. Two people like the idea. Awesome. Why don't you get on up here, prayer team? I, I really don't want us to, to, to go, go, go into this prayer, like our lives of faith, and think differently about what we're about in this thing than Jesus. He, he's just not thinking, okay, the whole reason the church is on planet Earth is to get people saved. He's thinking the reason the church is on planet Earth is to manifest what it looks like to really know God, to really walk closely with God. We're here to glow. We're here to glow. And how can we glow? Well, we got to get close to Him. How can we get close to Him? Well, we got to know Him. How can we know him? Well, we got to let him in. How can we let him in? Well, we got to trust him. How can you trust him? Well, you got to experience him. Well, how can you experience him? Try doing some things he said to do. No, it can't be that simple. It can. It can be that simple. All right, what you guys got? Encouragement to keep going, keep moving forward. Some hope. Mm-hmm. That's. Just uh, trust in him more. Anybody needs some prayer to be able to trust in him more. You know, come up. Definitely come up. That's good. Uh, somebody needs uh, their back prayed for this morning, their ears prayed for this morning, and um, and it doesn't matter whatever else, regardless if it's physical, emotional, Spiritual, um, I want to pray for you. So, um, I just wanted to share. I have had, and some of you already know this. I have just had such struggles with sleep, like bad, um, to the to the point where all I really was doing was complaining and going into like fear and stress out mode. Because when my eyes would open at like two thirty or three, I knew that was it. I wasn't getting any more. And it was just so much like negativity and complaining and just basically (laughs) self-talk. And I guess about four days ago, like I was just crying out to the Lord. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like, (laughs) and James chapter one (laughs) comes to mind that we're to consider it all joy when we're facing these trials. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And the very next night, I had that opportunity, of course. And as soon as my eyes opened, I just started going, God, I know this isn't from you, but I'm going to praise you through this. And I'm just thanking you that regardless of whether I go back to sleep, you're going to be with me today. And I'm going to get through this day, and I'm going to do it without grumbling or complaining. And it was... It was an incredible day, and it has been every day since. And last night was my best night of sleep. 
going. So I was just sitting today and just, you know, praying. And this is what I felt like is that there may be those of you that are like that with the sleep, but also nightmares or panic attacks. I seem to think about that. So if you're struggling with any of those or anything else that's um, just got you in that repetitive pattern of fear and grumbling and complaining, I would, I'd love to be able to pray for you if you'd come up. Thanks. Go ahead and stand. Is it 84 degrees in here now? Is the air conditioner even on? What is that thing set to? Oh, I'm dying. No, it ain't. If anything, it's them stupid ceiling fans. All right, let's go. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're with us. I surrender to you again, God, over and over, God. I say I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I want to walk with you even closer. Let my life become what it was made to become. I want to live the reason I'm here. You designed me. I didn't make me. You made me. You didn't make a mistake when you made me. You chose when and where I would be born. You didn't choose a, a, like a plush, easy, happy, sweet, little, perfect, easy existence. You put me down in the middle of a fight, and you gave me opportunity to know you in the midst of it. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. I'm not here by mistake. My life's not a tragic mistake. It is good that I am here. It is good that I exist, and I trust you with my one little brief life on this planet. And I ask Holy Spirit to empower me to do in my life what would get me closer to Jesus to become so connected to you, Father, that I see you, Father, how Jesus sees you, that I walk with you how Jesus walks with you, that instead of going to Jesus and being like, don't you care that I'm drowning? I would say, if I drown, I'm fine. But also, wind in the waves, stop. Amen. Amen.